This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Rogers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Well, look what we have here. It's another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. My name is Perry Goldstein, and I'm joined, as always, because this would not be our show without her. It's Maggie Loney, and we have what I hope is an interesting discussion today for you all. Uh, We have seen a lot of talk about the Packers cap space and the cap hit in general floating around the internet. And we thought we would maybe take a different spin on it, uh, throw some, some interesting numbers out to you and talk about what it looks like for the Packers moving forward and a little bit what it could mean for the impending free agency period. But first, first and foremost, most importantly, Maggie, how are you? I'm good. I have a puppy sitter here, which is a lot easier than last week when I was trying to record from my living room uh, with a dog. He seems to only want to bark when I'm in meetings at work. So that is, we've got that going for us, which is nice. So maybe you'll hear him on the show like you used to hear Mo all the time in our episodes. But yeah, so far so good. How are you, Perry? I'm good. We're uh, we're in the midst of a snowstorm here in New York. Got about 10 inches coming. Uh, for everyone out there who's listening, wherever you are, please stay safe. There's yes. that some crazy weather patterns this week. So stay safe, stay vigilant. Don't forget to wear a mask. And uh, all right, let's get into it. So yeah, it's the cap. That's all anyone can talk about (laughs) right now is the cap. We got word today that at minimum, it's going to be 180 million. I think we expected that's where it would land. So it's somewhat good news that it could potentially be higher. Uh, but we don't know yet. We're not going to know for a bit. We probably won't know for a couple weeks, honestly. So everything we're talking about is pure speculation. Uh, but the Packers, no matter what, have a ton of work to do, right? They're, they're over the cap anyway, and they're going to have to do probably some more restructuring and definitely make a few cuts. And we'll get into that here. So let's talk about what those potential cuts are just like real quick. I'm sure everyone has heard all of these names, but Rob Domoski put out a pretty interesting article today and probably I think outlines exactly what the Packers are going to do and uh, likely cut Preston Smith, Christian Kirksey, Dean Lowry, Rick Wagner, and Devin Funchess. Uh, the the bottom few of which to me seem pretty obvious. The only one that's a maybe is there, there was talk about potentially restructuring Preston Smith's contract. Uh, and if they do that, that gets them to 185. So slowly making their way towards a more comfortable place, but still with so much work to do. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting, like how the Packers are going to get there and other teams, like we saw the Falcons today, make a ton of cuts already. So this is what we're going to see a lot in the league. And just like JJ Watt could be signed anywhere. All these players that are getting cut now don't have to wait until the new 
fiscal year to start signing with teams. So I think that kind of makes things more interesting too, is knowing that anyone that gets cut beforehand is free to go anywhere. And one of the things we talked about in the DMS was Brandon Carwell for cheesehead TV wrote what I thought was a really interesting article about Preston Smith and the fact that his first two seasons in the NFL, he played with Joe Barry. So I thought that was really interesting. Joe Barry was his defensive coordinator. So I think that there's like a lot of these little pieces here where it's just going to be really interesting to see kind of what the Packers do and how they get to that number. You know, yeah. you and, and you and I, you know, have been really high on the team re-sign Lane Taylor train, even though that maybe is a niche take. I don't know. I don't know many people talking about that one, but when you have guys like Billy Turner and Rick Wagner, just we've talked a lot about the depth that the Packers have at certain positions. And I think this is kind of the season that it'll be really tested. Yeah, a hundred percent. The depth is exactly where I was going actually in my mind, which is like, yeah, sure. Preston Smith's productivity wasn't necessarily anywhere close to what we would have wanted this past season, but you get rid of Preston Smith and you're really only left with two proven one and a half really proven edge rushers. And, and as high as I am on Rashawn Gary and as happy as I was to see his productivity rise this past season. It was just one season, right? So, you know, you've got Zadarius Smith, who also has a pretty high cap hit this season, Rashawn Gary, and, and then who else? You know, a bunch of unproven guys, and you mentioned it, he he worked with Joe Barry. So, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, because it's not just about the cap hit, right? It is also about who else is on the roster? Who else has been on the field? Do we, do they, the Packers trust to perform? Um, it's it's just an interesting dilemma. There's there's a lot of nuances to this, and it's made even harder. These decisions, I think, are already difficult you know, any year, and it's made even more difficult in this year where they didn't no one knew that the cap would be this low. No one predicted the pandemic. No one thought that it would be lower than it was the past two seasons. It's gone up every year, I think, since like 2015, pretty substantially. So it just adds an extra stressor. And it'll mean, too, like you mentioned, Falcons have already cut guys. It'll mean that there's going to be, I think, a lot more free agents this year or players available in general than there ever have been because teams just can't pay everyone. Yeah. And I think as we kind of, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, and I think that's why we were so excited to do this show is not only are you having potentially more free agents than you've ever had, but you're having players that likely won't garner the top dollar that they would get any other year. And you're getting teams that can't afford to pay players what they likely will earn. So we kind of talked about that early on and maybe even before the season started with the running back market. And obviously we saw certain guys get paid like Alvin Kamara, Delvin Cook, but we talked about players like Aaron Jones. And if you want to make your top dollar, it likely won't be with the team that you're comfortable with. So this is kind of something that I think is really interesting. We talked about it just a tiny bit on pack a day. We ran out of time, but at what point do you prioritize kind of signing guys that you're really familiar with, even though they might cost a little more, at the risk of, or like, do you bring in a free agent who maybe will cost a little less, but they have to get up to speed in your offense. And the example that we used was a guy like Jamal Williams versus, you know, Patriots running back James White. And I think that that's kind of what teams are weighing now is, is it worth it to cut corners in certain places? Or do you want to invest in the guys that you really trust? Yeah. And it's, it's a, I think in addition to that, right, that's, you when you're when you're giving out a big contract you could maybe like backload that contract so that in 2022 2023 and so on is when the cap hit becomes its largest and therefore like minimizes any issues for this season but that also means or it means you know 
large signing bonuses or immediate money. And I, I think you, the players also have to weigh like, what if I get hurt? And therefore in potentially those later years when I would be making more money, I don't get that because of something that happens on the field, you know, things change really quickly in the NFL and players have to look out for themselves. And more and more players now are asking for upfront guaranteed money and teams can't do that right now. They can't do that this season. And so it's, I think it's like you said, with, with the running back example, you know, does a guy like Aaron Jones decide to stay or Jamal Williams decide to stay because it's comfortable and they have trust in their, the team to test the market. They already know that they're going to be making less. Yep. So do they stay and maybe get an extension and just hope that, you know, things go well over the next couple of seasons or do they leave and test the market or do the Packers just say, you know, we're going to let you go and we're going to get someone on a, you know, cheap quote unquote one year deal. Maybe they won't work out. We don't know. We don't know what this player is going to bring. We knew what you could bring, but we can't pay you. It's just, it's a, whole convoluted mess. Well, and there's certain things too, where it's like, you know, that certain players are going to get bank, right? If David Bakhtiari hit free agency, somebody was going to just sell their entire franchise to get David Bakhtiari to play for them. Corey Lindsley had his first all pro year. He might have played himself out of the Packers market, unless he were one of those guys that wanted to take a deal and say, Hey, Aaron, we're going to go win a ring next year. I'll take a pay cut. But one of the things that I've been thinking of a lot too, is you have like the guys that are going to get paid regardless. Some team is going to find the money to pay them. And then you have a lot of like middle tier free agents. And I think Jamal Williams kind of fits in that category. Kevin King maybe fits in that category because he's still kind of an unproven commodity, had a really good 2019, less so 2020. And of course, you know, some of his later games in the playoffs are going to be what's on people's mind heading into free agency. And, you know, what does that middle tier value look like now? And I think those are the guys that we're going to see potentially take the hometown discount because, you know, if their cap or the ceiling that they had going into free agency was maybe 10 K they might be looking at seven or eight K K million, <laughs> 10 million, <laughs> you know, you might be looking at much less in free agency this year. And I think it's just kind of a really hard year to be a free agent. That's not like the yeah. cream of the, the cream of the crop. No, it's true. It's, it's really unfortunate. And I think the question that I've been floating around in my head is like, are players going to take less because there's just less money to give? Like, are they, are they going to be willing to do that? I don't know. Maybe some will, maybe some won't. Maybe some will decide to stay where it feels quote unquote safe. It's, it's just going to be a really interesting year. I'm honestly worried about there being a lot of guys who just don't end up on a team Yeah, because they either feel like they deserve more. So they'd rather not get hurt for less money. You know, that that's the biggest thought to me is there is a risk every time they step out onto that field and their body is their livelihood like at the end of the day, right? Like they put their bodies on the line and they feed their family based off of what they do on the field. And so if let's say a guy like Aaron Jones, he's talked about it a ton. He knows what the shelf life is for a running back. He know, and he knows what he's worth. I don't foresee Aaron Jones in this example, not playing on a team next season, but it's just, it's just the player that comes to mind the most when I think about this and running backs, especially is like, where is the line between, taking so much less than what you know you deserve based off of your play and not playing. 
And I think, you know, kind of to further that, COVID played such a huge role in this. You have Michael Pierce is the example I've been thinking of a lot going to the Vikings. He was the free agent that I wanted desperately in free agency last season, goes to the Vikings and opts out. So he's now one year removed from football. Same with Devin Funches, Geronimo Allison with the Lions. And you have all these players who have now been sitting for a year and it's going to be really hard for them to kind of enter the market again, whether it's, you know, if Devin Funches is cut by the Packers, does a team take a flyer on a guy that's been injured and then sat for another season? Like it, it did these guys like without meaning to kind of end their NFL careers early. And that's really sad. Yeah, I totally agree because they thought, okay, this season, going to opt out next year, free agency, great, easy. But that's not the case because we're still in this pandemic. The money is still not there. There's still so many unknowns going into this offseason and this upcoming season. And they couldn't, like you said, they they didn't know. They couldn't have foreseen this at all. Um, and it's just, it's unfortunate. They, I agree with you. It's sad. They trained their whole lives for this and just so many unforeseen circumstances. But are there any... Given the Packers make the cuts we think they do, right? Make the restructures that they think they do. They have some wiggle room to add someone. Like, what's the position group that you're looking at? Like, where do you think they get the value in free agency if they go that route this offseason? I've been thinking about this a lot because I think that, you know, if you ask Packer fans, there's maybe like three spots. And I think to me, it would be offensive line, defensive line or corner. Like to me, those kind of make the most sense. And I think that those will obviously be targets high in the draft too. So to me, it comes down to what's the weakest position in the draft. And I think it's defensive line. So to me, that's where I would want to add a free agent and whether that's signing a guy back like Tyler Lancaster, and I'm not saying that he's going to fix the run defense or any of those issues because we haven't seen that. But right now the Packers have three defensive linemen on their roster and they're all pass rushers. So if you can convince a guy like Snacks or whoever, you know, a Michael Pierce type to come play for a vet minimum or a cheap contract, to me, that's the easy pick. And then you draft a guy, I don't know, third round and let him sit for a year and kind of develop the same way yeah. that we saw Rashawn Gary develop. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, and defensive line to me feels like it has the least amount of depth as well. Like yeah. you mentioned, there's very few guys. They are all pressure guys, really. Like that's what Kingsley Kiki has shown is his best trait. Like maybe you get a guy like Billy Wynn back or James Burgess or yeah, I don't know, but you know, that's also like that you're taking a gamble on that kind of player, just like you would be on a free, a free agent. Um, So I think that defensive line is probably where they go if they can even go anywhere. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's like some of the people making arguments about like you cut a guy like Preston Smith and I know everybody wants JJ Watt. And I know that that's like the hot topic considering he's a free agent that could sign anywhere. He played at Wisconsin. I totally understand all those things, but you know, if people are making kind of this swap in their minds of, you know, you say you cut Preston Smith and you sign JJ Watt, it doesn't work like that. The cap doesn't work like that. And, you know, to your point again about depth, like if you cut Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith rolls his ankle and can't play for a month, you're down to Rashawn Gary and I don't know, Jonathan Garvin, Tipa, like the the depth there is just really scary. So there's a lot of players. And I think that's kind of a good segue here is you and I have talked so much about the draft really being an investment. And this is the year that teams like the Packers that set themselves up for long-term success in the draft have that opportunity. They have 10 picks with three compensatory picks and those 10 
draft picks are likely going to see the field and be playing and have to fill in some maybe bigger roles than we would expect from day three picks in the draft. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's great that you brought that up too, because I've also been looking at, okay, this is a really somewhat doom and gloom conversation, right? This isn't fun to think about. It's not fun to think about players getting cut. It's not fun to think that the Packers don't have money to go out and get free agents. Like we remember a couple of seasons ago when they went out in that big splash free agency and they signed both the Smiths and Amos and, and Billy Turner. Like that's, that's what, Fans love. That fun. That's fun. That's exciting, <laughs> right? That's not what this offseason is going to be. And it's it's not fun to think about. So we're going to take a little bit more of a positive spin because, like you mentioned, the Packers are a draft and develop team. And that means, hopefully, that you get some level of productivity out of your most recent draft classes while they're on their rookie deals. And to me, looking at the cap, it's actually really exciting to look at how many players the Packers do have on really low cap hit contracts still on their rookie deals. And there are eight, potentially 10. I'm I'm actually not going to include Lucas Patrick and MVS right now in this argument, but about eight, eight players that are on really low cap hit contracts that are likely potential, if not definitely starters next season. And I I feel like this puts things into like a really nice perspective, right? So you have from bottom, least expensive to most expensive quote, put that in quotes, because none of them are that expensive by NFL standards. You've got John Runyon Jr. at 823K cap hit. I am 100% on the train that he will start on the offensive line next season. Kamal Martin, 847K, EQ, 879, Kingsley Kiki, 928, Josiah DeGuerra at a little over 1 million. Hopefully he comes back and is healthy and steps right back into that role that Matt LaFleur had him in at the beginning of the season because that was really exciting. AJ Dillon might be our RB1, right? He's at 1.2. Elton Jenkins, 1.85. You have one of the best offensive linemen in the league at 1.85, right? Like that (laughs) is so exciting. So yes, it is really, it's not fun to look at, you know, cutting a guy like Preston Smith and it's not fun to look at, oh my gosh, we have to restructure Aaron Rodgers contract and David Bakhtiari and Lottie Da. But look at all those players who are starters in some capacity who the Packers have drafted and are now going to be able to contribute and don't add to the additional worry and cap issue because they're on lower contracts. So I just thought that that was a nice, more positive spin. No, that, that got me really excited. And I, I think my favorite part of that entire list is that there wasn't a single first round draft pick, right? So like the Packers obviously hit on Jair Alexander, Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage. And yes, you know, Jair's due to make some, make some bank, but you have guys who, you know, if you, if you have a first round pick like Jordan Love that doesn't play, that's okay because you also have first round picks that did hit. And, you know, maybe Jordan Love will hit. That's not the right way to say it. But you also have, you know, A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara. John Marnie Jr. was a sixth-round draft pick, and he's probably right. going to start on the offensive line. So I think that that's really important for Packers fans, too, is, you know, if they go into the draft and maybe they maybe they don't take a corner round one. I've been saying, you know, I think the Packers are going to draft a corner with their first pick. Maybe that doesn't happen, but the depth that they're able to find, and we've seen it with guys like David Bakhtiari and Josiah DeGuara and all these players that potentially can play those starting roles in kind of the middle rounds. That's where this team is really going to build its depth. That same depth that we talked about earlier when you can't sign even for vet minimum street free agents. So 
Right. Maybe maybe we can flip it then and say, you know, you said, is there a position that you'd want to invest some money in? If if there's players that you can't necessarily take in the draft as far as positions are concerned, types of vet minimum contracts, where would you kind of fill some of the holes? Or maybe where do you see the biggest holes being where there's not a lot of, you know, depth on the roster already? Yeah, I think they have a lot of options at offensive line, right? Like they they definitely have options. They could keep some of these guys. They could bring someone back on a minimum. It's it's not just John Runyon Jr. too. They took two other six round picks. Let's see how right. they develop. Um, maybe a guy like Jared Valdir decides, yeah, let's take it. Let's do another year. Let's let's sign on a vet minimum. Come back to the Packers. You know, they took a shot on me after the Colts loss, et cetera. Right? Like, there's definitely I think options at offensive line. You brought up corner, and to me, that's I don't want to say the most worrisome, but cornerbacks are expensive, right? Yes. And the pat like very expensive. We just saw what Jalen Ramsey garnered at his you know free agency deal. We already know we have to pay Jair Alexander probably very similar to that kind of contract yeah. because he deserves it and you lock up that player. He's proven that he deserves that money and he's performed on his rookie deal, right? Getting a guy in the draft, Jair Alexander started week one first year rookie season. That's rare, right? There's a Absolutely. learning curve with corners, just like there is with a lot of other teams. But we watch guys that we were super high on in the draft get burned this year because they're rookies. And that's what happens. And backers have some serious holes, not just at the outside corner spot with Kevin King, but potentially also in the slot. So they're going to really, really need to hit in the draft because they're not going to be able to pay a cornerback in free agency. They're just not going to be able to. And you brought up maybe bringing Kevin King back. I just don't see that happening. I just don't see that happening. I, I They would have to pay him like bupkis, and I don't think he'll take that. Maybe Kadar Holman, right, makes a jump. Maybe we finally see Josh Jackson in a Joe Barry scheme. Who knows? Maybe third time's the charm. <laughs> but I think on the flip side of that question, honestly, it's like the antithesis answer to your question is cornerback is the one that I can see them absolutely not being able to even take a shot at. Okay. So then let's flip it because I'm, I'm really invested in the cornerback situation right now. And I think it's really interesting. I obviously just uh, this week for Chisa TV wrote an article about the secondary still having a lot of the pieces to be successful. It wasn't like, you know, 2015 where you have Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins and a lot of these players that aren't even really in the league anymore or starting Ladarius Gunter in an NFC championship game. Like this secondary has pieces. You have Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage as your safety tandem, one of the best in the NFL. You have Jair Alexander owns his own private Island, locks down half of a football field. So naturally whoever is cornerback two is going to get targeted. And we saw that with Kevin King in the NFC championship game. So to kind of, I guess, propose this question to you, do you feel any better if a player like Chandon Sullivan comes back, like is the worry that there's CB two and a slot or is it because to me, I've been thinking a lot about bringing back your guy, Tremont Williams, and then drafting somebody like, I don't know, say Asante Samuel jr. Who starts in the slot kind of acclimates himself to the NFL. And then when Tremont leaves, you slide him out to boundary. I really like that. I really like that. Um, no, I don't see any, I don't see absolutely no issues bringing back Chan Sullivan. And I think that they do because they can always bring him back to camp and then see who they draft and see what the development is for the other players on the roster. Like they, they definitely have options. Chan Sullivan is not in this camp where he's going to be incredibly expensive. Um, 
I think that having a guy like Jair Alexander on the roster gives the Packers so much flexibility because that no matter what they know that half of the field is covered. Um, and it just makes their lives so much easier in this decision. Now I'm coming from a little, a place of a little bit of bias because I think that some of the best cornerbacks in this draft are slot guys. Yes, and I think they are. that you pull <laughs> one of those guys in at maybe they trade back right into the early second round. You, you get one of those guys and you automatically have an upgrade. Shannon Sullivan has proven that he's not a boundary guy, right? He's not an outside corner and that's okay. You know, again, maybe he comes back and you have a little bit of a battle in camp. There's nothing wrong with a camp battle. Um, I just, I of course am, on your side there, right? Where I would love to have Tremont Williams back. I think that presence, all of those things, he brings all of it. I trust him on the field 10 out of 10 times, but to, I worry, I just worry about drafting a boundary corner that the Packers expect to start week one. It's just not as much as it would be amazing if they hit on that. It's not going to go the way Jair Alexander went. It's just not going to. Um, so again, maybe I, I don't know why I keep coming back to Kadar Holman because he's the guy that comes to mind, right? Maybe he gets his shot. I don't know if they think that he has that or if he's just depth. Um, and then flipping it too to safety, right? Like I think that's the most solid position, one of the most solid positions that the Packers have. We're probably going to lose Will Redmond do you finally see Vernon Scott in there or do the Packers draft a safety? I think the do pa- the Packers do draft a safety in the draft because it's always a position that you need, but there there's the pieces are there. Like you said, the foundation is there, but the open spots are huge question marks. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is kind of dependent on Joe Barry and you know, is he going to be like the anti Mike Pettin where he doesn't run any nickel and dime and he's in a base a lot of the time. And no, no, right. Cause that's the, today's NFL has evolved to the point where nickel is basically your base defense. So exactly. I mean, I think that, yeah, that's as usual. We're on the same page here. And I think Jeff Akuda is a really good example of that. We both obviously loved him. He was the best corner in the draft class in 2020 and he had a really tough rookie season, but that's what happens when you start a boundary corner in the NFL. It doesn't always go, yeah. you know, you're not always going to be a lockdown guy from the jump. And I've, I mean, Jair Alexander, there's plenty of players that still have their moments of struggling or had kind of those growing pains. And it's, I think it's like you said, a big ask to draft a player that the Packers are fully expecting to be their every down player, especially knowing that, you're not really going to get any relief. I don't think that you're going to see many teams say, oh, let's give this guy a break. Let's target Jair Alexander. Like whoever is CB2 has a tall order in front of them. Yes. And that that makes that position, I think, the most vital. But it also goes to show like, yes, he will, but we have two safeties that can help over the top in a way that other teams don't have. So I agree, but there's also, you know, kind of an asterisk there. Uh, Again, it's also like, what is Joe Barry going to do? What kind of scheme is he going to call? I completely agree with you that you always need a slot guy in the NFL because you put offenses now put anybody in the slot. Yeah. We put Devontae Adams in the slot, right? Like your slot corner might have to go up against the best wide receiver in the league. Might have to go up against a tight end like Gronk. Like that guy has to be so, so, so solid, which is why I think it's still a question mark for the Packers because as much as I appreciate and feel like Shannon Sullivan had really, really nice moments and proved that he could make some kind of jump from last year to this season, 
it's just such, such an important position now. Okay. So I know we're running out of time, but I do have one quick question before we wrap things up. We're not running out of time. We make the rules here. But, you know, good point. <laughs> good point. We make rules and then break them, which is, you know, that's the packs, which he said way. But um, Jacob asked me this on pack a day and I want your thoughts on it because I think it's interesting knowing, you know, that you have a boundary issue and potentially a slot issue with Chandon Sullivan. I know the Packers were kind of interested in Desmond King, right? Who's like the prototypical nickel or slot corner. Do you see any way that the Packers would invest any type of money to like shore up maybe the slot position because you know, it's going to be less expensive than a boundary corner or would that still not make you feel good because then you've still got your boundary. That is kind of a bigger issue in the first place. I think boundary is still a bigger issue in the first place. And I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that the Packers could draft a starting nickel. This oh yeah. Season. Oh, I like, agree. So to go out and get the money, like if they were going to go out and spend money, honestly, I'd rather them go out and get a guy like Patrick Peterson. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. I, I just don't think it seems worth it. I think Desmond King's a wonderful player and would he completely upgrade the Packers secondary? Yes. But given the entire situation and what the draft looks like, it doesn't feel worth it to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, of course. I mean, per usual, we're on the same page. And I'm, <laughs> I think that's what's make what makes this draft so exciting. I know that you and I talk about cornerbacks a lot, and it's one of the things that I think we're looking at more closely in the draft, specifically this season, because, you know, it is one of the bigger needs. But I do agree with you 100% that there's a lot of really good slot corners. And this is a deep... Starting a deep, caliber. Starting in oh, yeah. NFL caliber. Yeah. And it's a deep class. So don't be surprised if, you know, you we wait up on the Cheesehead TV live draft party all night and the Packers trade out of the first round and then snag two corners in the second round and they both end up, you know, starting in 2021 yep. because it's it's a really good class to need a corner. But more draft coverage as we get closer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Maggie. Before we wrap up, please tell the people where they can find all of your work. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. I write for Cheesehead TV, um, probably less in the off season, but I'll still be writing. Uh, you can find me on the Thursday show with the Pack a Day podcast crew with Jacob and Jimmy. And then, of course, please make sure to follow the Packs What She Said podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, and we may or may not have some some plans in the works and some special guests on the way. So make sure you follow the socials and keep a lookout for all the cool stuff we have coming. Yes. This off season is going to be filled with guests. It's going to be really fun. Tons of new voices and perspectives on the show going to very much highlight women's voices as always as well. So really looking forward to that. Uh, you can just find me on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. I am on the every other Sunday pack a day podcast crew, do a little work with Packer report as well. And, uh, as always, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you and go Paco. Go Paco. Go Paco.